Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully, because there's no time to waste for all of us. Don't forget, we've got $35 custom engraved No Time to Waste bracelets in silver, gold, and rose gold options to benefit our friends at the Pink Fund. We kept the price as low as possible, so this should be like a holiday no-brainer for all the ladies in your life. And maybe a nice thank you to teachers or first responders or even helpful neighbors, or just treat yourself because this has been a really hard year for all of us. They're $35 each or $100 for all three medals. You can find it at No time to waste project.com slash swag. And it's really important that you not wait because orders are going to close Black Friday at midnight Eastern time. So they're like literally is almost no time to waste. We all know what Lance Armstrong is known for and what he's not. I just wanted to talk to him about cancer because the day I got diagnosed back in September of 2018, the very first thing I did was go buy Lance's book. It's not about the bike, my journey back to life. I needed to know how he beat the advanced cancer that had already spread to his lungs and brain by the time they discovered it, when he was just 25 years old and at his physical prime. So that's what Lance and I talked about. And as you'll hear, he was lovely. I feel like the Hugh Grant character in Notting Hill because I described the whole experience as surreal, but nice. And I got to hang out for an hour with the guy who unknowingly helped me warrior up and bring my A-game to my own cancer battle. Because like he said in the book, what other choice is there but to hope? We have two options, medically and emotionally, give up or fight like hell. I'll opt for the latter, just like he did. So here he is, Lance Armstrong, for no time to waste. Guys, we're here with somebody. It's it's probably, you're like, wow, Allison's had like so many amazing guests. Like, wow, I I love getting introduced to people. Um, Yeah, well, I'd like to introduce you to someone. His name is Lance. Um, His last name is Armstrong. You might be familiar with him. we just had a quick uh, little intro and catch up, which was fun, where I got him comfortable, maybe not comfortable, but I shared uh, with him my story. Um, but uh, yeah, How, what did you think of my story, Lance? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's one of these, like most stories, right? These uh, You hear these stories and uh, there are very few people in the world, if any, uh, frankly, that deserve uh, to be telling those stories. Now, some would argue there, there might be some that do, but um, th- there's so many great people that have uh, these terrible stories with long odds and uh, consequences, side effects, loved ones uh, impacted, uh, lifestyles and careers impacted. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. I mean, I've been in this world, I guess, for almost 25 years. Um, and you know, it's just such a global burden. And meanwhile, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm not being critical of, but, you know, I, I watch the news every night and I follow uh, the COVID madness, which is, you know, here we've lost a quarter million lives. Um, you know, if, if, if the world or not even the world, but if the United States panicked over something and the loss of American lives um, as they have with COVID, certainly with regards to cancer, we'd probably be having a different discussion. Right. I mean, this is. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's frustrating. 
uh, on that side. But these stories, it, it's neither here nor there because it always ends up at the corner of First and Main, and that's and that's at somebody's house, right, with their with their loved ones. And uh, so I'm thinking about you. It sounds like you have a good spirit. Yeah, you know, um, I think we've all had. I think most people would say it's been a crap year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've learned is, you know, like let's not let's not measure my crap versus your crap or assume that my crap is heavier than your crap or your crap doesn't deserve the same attention or because there's different brands of trauma, right? right. And I think mm-hmm. everybody this year needs to give everybody else a little break and assume, you know what? they've probably been through some crap too. Right. right? Um, And the funny thing is, is you can't judge based on the outside because you never know. Right. And speaking of which nobody can see this, but this is real. Um, I can't hear as well with my headphones when I have a hat and uh, uh, my wig on. This is sport wig. I want to introduce you to her. Um, So I'm going to take her off right now and basically get one, one little screen grab of of us actually doing it but i'm gonna take off i'm gonna take off i'm gonna go bald right now i'm gonna go full-on gij and you cool with that yeah yeah all right we're going so um little oh wow yeah yeah there we go there you go so you're gonna yeah i'm gonna cut that out a little bit but i'm gonna keep it (laughs) here we go yeah representing representing so um for anybody that doesn't know i would like to just share a couple things um you know lance and i there are some ways in which we're different um one i'm a fair weather cyclist i started cycling uh when i lived in marin county which is just over the golden gate bridge in san francisco um you know if it was like cold rainy sprinkling, um, windy, like more than three mile per hour winds. I was like, "Mm." and uh, I would rather be running trails in the headlands, but I got into cycling because uh, of injury, which a lot of people do. Um, so, you know, Lance was a little bit more serious about the cycling. So that's just one difference. Um, two, uh, I'm like a type one, one and a half fun. So like, I like powder days. I like doing a bunch of different sports for like max, like an hour and a half and then switching sports. Um, I'm not like a let's sit in the pain cave for like five, six, 10 hours. I suspect that Lance and I are different there. Um, And, you know, I don't know if I am as passionate about the entire state of Texas, although I do think Austin is super cool and I would live there if I did have to live in Texas. Um, but there are some similarities, um, where we're very similar here. I think, uh, I mean, you guys know me on no time to waste. Um, yeah, our pace, um, I talk fast, I move fast, I breathe fast, which I know you've said before, um, patience is an issue for me. Um, I am vibrating right now, which also could be from the infusion of Dex that I just got at my chemo infusion this morning. I was like, I don't need more steroids today. I'm already too amped up. And they're like, sorry. (laughs) Um, So pace, I think. Um, You know, I think the passion for the mountains, the solitude of physical activity while in nature and how freaking healing and like restorative that can be for the soul. Um, I think of being athletes at 
<clears throat> slightly different levels, um, but pushing our bodies right to like the limit and like that feeling that we get after a workout, I feel like is something that probably you and I share. And then the last thing where I feel like, you know, I, I think we're both at our core and I'm making assumptions here, good humans, right. That mm. want to help and want to help and want to make a difference. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to lose our personality that is full of feistiness and sass and competitive. And, you know, like there's 30 seconds on the shot clock, like give me the ball. Right. I want the ball. I want the responsibility. <laughs> I want the, I, I want the pressure and I'm going to rise to the challenge no matter what yeah. you put in front of me and everything yeah. I've learned about you, even though this is the first time we've talked. And again, I'm making assumptions like I know you in a creepy one way relationship that I've built with you. Um, <laughs> you're not, you're, not, you. you're, you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's basically like, that's the connection that I have felt to you in mm. everything from your book, which I was just telling you when I got diagnosed in September of 2018, that freaking day, mm. the very first thing I did was go find your book mm -hmm. because I was like, I'm going to attack this thing like a freaking warrior. And when I think about a warrior who's attacked cancer, the first person in my head is Lance Armstrong. Mm. So freaking tell Thank me you. how to do it. Um, <clears throat> that's what that, you got the book for. That's what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. I still, I still, it's right here, boss. Hey, sweet. Hey, yeah. Um, you, look like, you look like a baby. I'm I showing know. Lance the, the book right now because you was he was 25 for those of you. That yeah. No, not one gray hair, uh, not one wrinkle. But hey, you know what? Um, wouldn't change a thing. Uh, that's been, gosh, oh my God. But that, that book has been 20 years ago. Um, and, and so the, the, this idea of how to... Uh, face cancer, deal with cancer, um, beat cancer. It's, uh, and, and I hope for you that you get to this point, no matter what you think, or no matter what anybody says, or doctors or statisticians, or all these people, you know, all respect to them, but you know, you want to get to this point and I'm now 20, this year, the October 2nd was my 24 year anniversary. It, it is so far, and I'm not trying to minimize or disrespect the disease, uh, because it's a gnarly one, as you know, um, but boy, you get away from it and you, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're months ago. I mean, we're talking, we're going to talk about cancer. So I'm going to think about cancer. Um, if you asked me if I thought about cancer yesterday or anytime in the last month, the answer would be, I mean, the last time I thought about my disease was on my anniversary, which was gosh, six weeks ago. Um, so it's, it's, that's, I guess the, um, and again, not trying to disrespect the ultimate foe, but that's the beauty of it, right? Life moves on and, and you put that in the rear view mirror. Um, and, and, um, and that, like I said, that's my hope for uh, you, Allison, and so many others. Um, and times, you know, that this is the thing people are dealt a rough hand and, and given these odds and sit around at night and thinking about it and talking to their loved ones about it. And, uh, but you know, you just have to hope that somebody in some lab with some petri dish and a lab coat and a bunch of smart people around them are going, we're close, right? And so that if if you if you get time, then um, that's what you want. You want to buy time, like every that's like an expression in the world. Like let's buy some time, right? Um, and that's what so many. I was just with a fellow last week in Santa Barbara, and this guy was I was staying in his guest house. He was 
This dude was in the gym with me every day. He looked, I mean, you'd never know. He's like, has like stage four stomach cancer. Um, it was hitting in the gym, looked perfectly well, beautiful family. And we just started talking. One day we drove to the gym together and, and, uh, and I said, so how long do you have to do the, the chemo? And he said, forever. And I'm like, what? You know, and his perspective. And again, I'm looking at what appears to be a perfectly healthy guy and uh, full of energy. And he said, yeah, I just have to, I have to do it forever and hope that something comes along. Right. That's a, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a brutal waiting game. But I, I think the, um, you know, our, our hope is that behind the scenes or, or in those labs, you know, it's right around the corner, right? Whether that's a magic bullet for the, for the whole, um, you know, the whole sort of uh, cancer uh, fight, because cancer is very, very complicated. It's not, nobody's going to cure cancer, right? They're going to, and we didn't even get into what exactly your malignancy was, your diagnosis was. Mine was obviously advanced. I mean, the way I talk about it, you know, I had cancer. People say, oh, you had cancer, right? Well, I did have cancer. And then, uh, but then there's all, all these subsets, right? So then I had advanced testicular cancer, right? So then, okay. But it even gets finer than that and drills down more than that. I mean, I had essentially, I, I essentially had advanced choriocarcinoma. And so, and when you get down to that level, uh, and they're all oftentimes very specific, you know, to, to the broader name of the disease, um, that's what we're treating, right? You're treating, you're literally treating a malignant cell and so uh, it's confusing for people, right? People say, we're going to cure cancer. Well, I don't know about that because we won't, right? We'll, we'll, cure, we'll cure choriocarcinoma or advanced testicular cancer or breast cancer. Or brain, you know, start to cure these subsets that ultimately will add up to what we, in the end of the day you hope is, is, is quote unquote, a cure of cancer. Yeah, it's, um, you know, number one, I want to get, a vaccine for COVID out to, to the world, right? To mm -hmm. everybody. Um, two, when you talk about curing cancer, I'm still like, I, I agree. There's so many, cancer is such a crazy umbrella with all this stuff within it. Um, you know, I'm still angry some days where I'm just like, how have we not figured this out yet? Right. Um, and when you talk about what you hope for me, just if I'm really honest and vulnerable, like I'm in a stage right now because of the news I got three weeks ago that yes, I had a new brain tumor. And yes, we hopefully took care of that with the radiation that I just completed. But the great news that the, the treatments that I'm doing every week are working in my body, that the cancer is, is shrinking in my chest. I feel physically better. I'm so ready to like start to ramp again physically, get out on the trails and like get back to freaking living my physical life, right? So I'm just been in a place for for the since I got the news 2 weeks ago where I just have a yeah. grin on my face and I am just like every day being like living in gratitude. The podcast is blowing up. I get an email that says Lance Armstrong is going to come on your podcast. I was like, this is bananas. I feel like I've been living in what I've been calling like the manifestation matrix where I'm just like, dude, everything I'm putting out there to the universe, like with the least effort is just freaking firing. Mm. Yeah. And, and this is incredible. Right? right. So I have been in a little bubble of like protecting myself from the trauma of the election where I just literally was like, I can't handle this. And right. I just opted out for like a couple of days to probably not processing yet the reality of my diagnosis. 
And that's all part of the, uh, what, what um, I used to talk about this stuff all the time, which I, I very rarely do, but uh, uh, the cancer continuum, right? This, this, uh, everything from diagnosis all the way to end of life. And that's, mm-hmm. um, and all the steps along the way, treatment, uh, research, uh, survivorship, uh, you know, all, all the things that, that are part of that, um, that continuum. And so the, the end of life cares or the end of life part is, is, is the hardest to talk about and arguably the one, you know, we have not done a very good job with, but let's not, I almost said a bad word. Let's, let's not talk about that. Um, I mean, I think the okay. thing, no, 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 no. I mean, what I'm talking, I meant, uh, no, I'm saying bad. I, I shouldn't say bad words. You told me not to, so I won't, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's what you described earlier is, and I used to talk about this in my, and I did talk about it in the book and I thought about it this way was, because uh, I was an athlete, right? And so I, I normally dealt in more in stopwatches, but I grew up watching sports that had scoreboards. And so I, I, I related to, to, to the, my fight with the illness as a game, as a, as a, it's called a football game. And a football game has a, has a scoreboard. And most of the time we sit down and, on our couch and we watch the Super Bowl and we can look at the scoreboard anytime. It's on the screen. Um, so we know where we are, right? And in, in, in your situation, as you, you know, because they'll do some scans or do some treatment, you go home and then repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, there's no scoreboard, right? We don't, nobody's, you can't pull up an app and go, okay, the, you know, I'm, uh, I just killed a thousand cells today, right? You, you don't know. And so, uh, but, but, but meanwhile, the game is being played and you don't, you, you don't, they don't, they don't, they say, you can't, don't look at, the, you can't look at the scoreboard. By the way, you can't even watch the game. It's like, it's like caring about a game and checking some sports app every now and again. Oh, the score is 34 to 14. And that's what it's like. Like you go in, um, and then they call you a day or two later and, and they tell you what the score is. And that's, that's the torture in all this. Yeah. It's, um, mental you know, torture, that, the mental torture, the, but applying, it's just so funny. I, I was shocked when I started doing research two years ago when I first got diagnosed, I was shocked to not find resources that addressed how to attack cancer treatment like an athlete. I would just look for these resources and like, you know, for breast cancer, the average age of the person that gets, the average age is 62 of someone that gets diagnosed. I'm 38. I am by all accounts healthy, (laughs) aside from the cancer, like uh, feeling good, Um, like was going to start racing as soon as my hip felt better. Like I was like, okay, how do I attack? Cause I attacked cancer treatment. Like I attacked a training plan. I was like, I got to go to Staples immediately. This is a true story. I talk about it in my, I did a TEDx talk called uh, Confronting Death to Live a Fuller Life um, that you can find no time to waste project.com. So first, basically going back to that, that cancer battle. And for anybody that hasn't read it, like, uh, you know, it's called the, the book is it's not about the bike. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not. I'm like that's what I always called it. It's not about the bike, and it's basically his cancer journey. And you know, Lance is like at the top of his game. Like, read the book because it's freaking great, and I think your voice in it is just so real and so uh, authentic. And uh, for anybody that's going through cancer, like, or anybody that just wants a good story, I just I think it's awesome. Um, and again, I've I've read and reread it multiple times. Um, you know, just to let people know, this is someone who like, you know, what 
Lance had to like go into treatment. He was like, how long did you live at the hospital? Oh, I, I lived there for, for, for the entire, uh, the entirety of my treatment. Um, so, but, but not, you know, I, I, it, like, what, no, six months, no, a four year? months. It was, it, it, was months. it felt long, but there's, you know, there are people that have to, you know, as you know, do this for years and years of the rest of their lives. And so, um, yeah, being an inpatient was just part of the, um, part of the treatment process that they, uh, the doctors in Indiana switched me on to. But, uh, I, I, and I shouldn't even say that cause I would stay during treatment for five days and then I would fly home from Indianapolis back to Austin. So I'd go back for what, 15 days, you know, right. give or take a day. And then I'd go back and hit it again and then <clears throat> start looking for that scoreboard. Yeah. Well, like guys, what freaking Lance describes in the book in terms of like the grueling treatments he went through, I have experienced nothing even close to this. Like, you know, I continued working from home when I was going through chemo the first time. And now I'm working way more hours with no time to waste the podcast and, and getting this message out than I did before, you know, but you, I mean, we're talking like puking, we're talking like you just like laying on the floor or you just laying in bed being staring and being like, is it over yet? Like, I, I mean, like horror stories. Like when I, that was the part where I, when I did read about that stuff before I started chemo, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go in for like the fight of my life. And actually, thank you for writing about all of that. Um, and also thank you for the advances in things like medical treatments and what chemo looks like, because Good. it was not like that for me. But you went through the ringer and I never had to like stay in the hospital overnight. Right. Um, but you talked about basically like asking asking them basically like challenging them kind of at, at all different points which I definitely have done throughout my journey and being like can I bring the um can I bring my bike in so that I could at least spin like you know I feel good enough to do it can I just bring my bike in and like what was their reaction I mean obviously they knew you yeah, right I think I think it was really more just can I ride when I go home, I mean, it was, it would have been hard to, um, and I, and I got, ended up getting so sick as many do. Uh, I didn't have any motivation for that, but the big ask or the, you know, request was that, um, when I, when I have these days off, can I, can I, is it safe to go ride? And, and, and there's all these considerations they think yeah. of. And of course, nobody's asking them that question normally. Um, and I was it's not like I was totally. out doing intervals or trying to get fit. I was just out uh, turning my legs more for my own sanity. And, um, yeah. but yeah, they were cool. I mean, they let me, they let me do that. When, uh, I thought about you when I was meeting with my oncologist in this tiny uh, town in California, San Luis Obispo, which is where I got diagnosed and I had local treatment. I ended up having uh, my mastectomy and kind of having my treatment overseen by people at uh, Dana-Farber and, uh, uh, Brigham Women's, a fantastic team. Um, but anyway, dealing with my local oncologist in this tiny town of San Luis Obispo, um, who was super cool, but very like chill. He's a surfer. And I was like, listen, man, I'm going to have one week off in between like my counts going back to normal after chemo and having to fly to Boston for my mastectomy. I'm going to mm. miss ski season, S riding my snowboard, 
is like one of my happy places. And I didn't grow up snowboarding, but I started in my yeah. 20s and fell in love with it and then fell in love with trail running and was like, oh, maybe it's like not the sport specifically, but it's like doing sports in the mountains with like great music on in my head. Anyway, I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta go on a ski trip. I gotta go ski. And he was like, Ugh. and like the next week I was like, you know, that week I got, I gotta go ski. You gotta let me go ski. And then it was like probably the third time where he was like, I guess we got to make it part of your prescription. And I was like, mm. and, uh, during that week off, uh, I went to Jackson hole and, uh, I got to ski. I got to ride, which is like my happy place. And I got to check something off my life list, which uh, I talk about in my TED talk. It's like a bucket list, but not like things you want to do before you die. It's like big things, little things, things you want to buy, places you want to go, things you want to give. It's yeah. just like putting it down on paper yeah. and checking it off, right? And one of the things was freaking meeting Sandra Bullock. I've had it on my life list since I was 15. She's got a house in Jackson, right? I was at the bar, uh, the handlebar. And in walks Sandra Bullock with her family. And I literally was like, universe, what? Uh, I didn't want to bug her because she was with her family. And I just felt so bad about, I always feel so bad about like, I never want to interfere with someone like a public person, especially if they're with their family on like personal time. So I didn't even approach her. And I have to say, I regret it. I have very few regrets. I regret not being like, yeah. Sandra Bullock, I'm so sorry, but I do have terminal cancer. And she's a bit, she's a sweetheart. You should have at least sent somebody over there. She's a total, uh, spends a, at least used to spend a lot of time in Austin. So, it, um, well, the ski trip and, and, you know, that's on the bucket list that, you know, ha walking up to Sandra, that's on a different list and it rhymes with bucket. Um, we yeah. all, we all, I'm not supposed to say bad words, so I can't say it. You're but not, that, I don't want to put an E on this episode. Yeah, I want everybody so, to be able to hear it. So that's, it's another list that rhymes with bucket. And so you really need, yes. you need two buckets. It's the chuck it list. Yeah. It's the chuck it list. Yeah. You're right though. And I think that also is a great example of like, I did a lot of research for my Ted talk around uh, deathbed regrets and a lot of the research around it and how, you know, or again, regardless of age, race, creed, religion, like they all sort of fall into five buckets, what people regret. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I try and craft my life so that I don't have those. Um, and I do kick myself a little bit for not, uh, not saying something, not reaching out and explaining to her we should do a part two on this, but you know, the one thing you don't want, and this was really a big part of my thinking, um, as I was trying to pick treatment options and doctors and hospitals and the you know, protocols, all the stuff, um, you know, and because it kind of feels like you're buying a car or looking at colleges with your kids. Oh, these, these are so serious. Oh my God. You know, you start picking out the hospital and the, and the team of doctors and nurses that are going to save your life. Now that is a serious decision. So, that's the one thing that at least for me, you know, I wanted to spend a ton of time on that because I didn't want to be, I just thought I might die. I mean, there's a good chance I'm going to die. So I don't want to be laying there going, God, you know, should I have gone to hospital XYZ or hospital ABC? I didn't. And so I spent a ton of time making sure that the, the, the docs and nurses at IU were the, the place for me. And if it wasn't going to work out and, and the, the world didn't, you know, choose to give me life back, uh, that I was going to die in peace, at least in and around that decision, because um, it's serious. And so, 
uh, sounds like you've, you've done a ton of work on making sure you know, you're in the, uh, you've got the best team around you and I do. yeah. So that's, you know, at least that's one thing off the list. There's a bunch of people yeah. that, that lay there and, and have a day or two to go and, and have regrets or doubts about that. Imagine. Right. I can't. And, and, you know, there are, uh, and you talk about this, like, it's hard to explain to people who haven't been through it or aren't on the other side of it, but there is a richness of life and a gratitude and, and a shininess to life when you have literally been faced on the other side with like, I might have to say goodbye to this world like soon. Mm -hmm. Right. And the perspective that again, you can't, you can't hand over or tell somebody else, but this perspective of when you are literally going, all I want to do is live and there's a chance I might die like soon, instantly. Right. So you go tunnel vision and it's like, uh, so here's what matters me living right. and here's what doesn't matter. Everything else. Right. Well, I think it's, it's a, it's a delicate dance. And I, and I see, I do see this a lot um, because look, people, no matter who you are and are, are, we're all inherently uh, fighters. And so uh, the tendency is to, okay, that didn't work. Uh, let's try this. And then that's not working. Okay. Let's go back to trying that. And then, and then uh, and all the while their quality of life is going from a hundred to 50 mm -hmm. to 20 to 10. And, you know, it takes a, and I have, and, Fortunately, I uh, was not in that position, but it takes a, a lot of courage to just go, all right, I get it. This isn't going to work. And, and you've got to, and it's this balance. I'm so scared for that. No, no, I, I, this, but this is, and I don't know you, but this is, I wanted to have this conversation just in the hour we've known each other. It takes a, a lot of courage to go, okay, this wasn't, this wasn't my life to live. And I've got, uh, and this is, listen, let's just work off the assumption uh, and the notion that this, you're not going to be in this place. So we're speaking to others. But okay. if, if, uh, if, if you're seeing this trend and you've got all these loved, one around, loved ones around you and you have this bucket list and, and the doctors are, uh, you feel they're being honest with you and, and you believe them um, and you, you've got three months, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a rare person that goes, okay, well, I don't think this is going to work. And I've got, golly, I'm just looking right now. I got 15 things on my list. Um, crap. Uh, let's go buy some plane tickets and some RVs and some, uh, you know, a keg of beer. I don't know what, whatever's on your list and get after it because there's so many folks that just, and I love them. God love them for that, you know, uh, mm -hmm. fight all the way to the end, but that, that, that there's no, there's no camping trips with the people they love the most. There's no trips to, uh, Mochu Picchu or whatever it's called, you know, there's none of these things, right? All the things, the, the, yeah. there's these bucket lists that are left unfulfilled. Well, COVID needs to get its act together, number one. We all, well, we all, we all need to get our act together and take some personal responsibility because it's not just about putting masks on and social distancing for our own health. It's for the health of other people. And selfishly, I'm making the 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 PSA right now. It's for people like me. And it's for people like, you know, grandparents and your parents and people who are vulnerable. That's why you wear masks. That's why you do social distancing. That's why if, you know, cities are going on lockdown right now, it's so that we can have a holiday season that we actually get to spend with our families yeah. and not alone. That's a good PSA. 
so if we could all do it, that would be really awesome um, because I would like to travel again and get on a plane. But here's living like there's no time to waste. I was supposed to go to first Mexico, then Hawaii. And my partner and I have been trying to escape the reality of our lives and just go somewhere warm to a happy place since my first freaking brain tumor in April. And we have had to cancel every single trip that we've made as recent as going to Arizona this week. Because once I had the brain tumor that showed up in August, they were like, you can't fly for like a couple weeks. I then got the approval to fly tomorrow, but because of COVID completely blowing up everywhere right now. So why don't you drive? It is. Lance, would you just let me, am I going too slow for you? You're already impatient. I'm telling you, guess what I'm doing? I'm getting in the car tomorrow and I'm going on a solo road trip and I'm freaking going to go to Moab, Utah, which I've never been to. And I'm going to stay at the Hyatt place and I'm going to watch the sunset. And then the following morning, I'm going to watch the sunrise somewhere freaking awesome. And then I'm driving to Scottsdale because I'm having conversation number two with Nora McInerney, who, if you don't know her, you should, at Nora Borealis. She did a TED Talk on basically grief. She's hilarious. She, at 31, lost her second baby in a miscarriage, her father and her husband to glioblastoma, (laughs) all within a five-week period. Jesus. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the so, world. But she ta- she talks about it. Listen to her TED talk. I want to I want to check that out. It's basically about moving forward, not moving on from yeah. grief. I know a lot about that. So, all right, last couple questions because I know you got to hop. Basically, in uh, your forward, uh, which Lance's two podcasts right now, the move, which is like pretty cycling focused and goes a little over my head, um, and uh, but two, he has the forward, which is basically like awesome interviews with like awesome people. So you were with McConaughey not that long ago that I know you're good buddies with, and I think you were starting. Somebody had the dream that you guys met in a. You guys were on the podcast together, all, underneath a frozen lake. Oh, I'll, I'll- I'll, I'll read it to you. This is this is you all. All you people listening will enjoy this. And this is typical McConaughey. Okay. Um, so he says, "Dude, he seems like such a character." Uh, by the way, he's it's, like, it's, they broke the mold. Let me just put it this way. So this is right. This is the day, uh, a day before we were going to do the show. Uh, he said, "I just had a dream that you and I did your podcast at the bottom of a semi-frozen lake, sitting at a table across from each other with headphones on, mics in front of us, and a case of red wine at our side." We sipped and laughed and talked. The fact that we were under the water the whole time doing so without needing oxygen was not surprising to either of us in the least. It was a great dream. So <laughs> like this guy wakes up with shit like this. I'm like, what? But yeah. So, so my question to you is, what do you think happens after we die? Because that description, I think it's I think it's a highly personal thing to everybody. When I read that or I heard that on the pod when I listened to it, I was like, maybe that's what McConaughey thinks. Yeah. Like maybe that's a vision of like yeah. the kind of stuff that happens after He'd you die. Probably start a church, start some movement. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'd go. Right, right. A lot of people would. But I don't know. I don't know what happens. I, I, I've grown up very not religious and so... Uh, that's not a glorious thing to think about. Okay, you die, you get buried, you get cremated, and your ashes spread, or you get put underground, and that's it, man. Uh, that you know, uh, that's I, at this. I'm sort of entering a phase of my life where maybe um, I need to, uh, not so much in a religious sense, but but uh, just in a, a spiritual, holistic sense, 
explore, so to speak. Um, so I don't have a good answer for you. I would love, I would love to start to craft some answer in my mind or in my in my head. Uh, but it's a it's 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 a, it's a heavy question. Is it something that scares you when you think about it? Not at all. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, then that see. So that I've had a, I've had a good roll. All right. Then that means you're living life like there's no time to waste, right? Maximizing your moments every day. I don't. I don't wait for nothing. Well, there you have it. Lance Armstrong. He doesn't wait for nothing. And these days, neither do I. And hopefully, the same goes for you. Because today is all we've got. Don't wait for nothing. Because there's no time to waste for all of us. Okay, squad, if you're liking these episodes, and man, have we got some killer guests on deck, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And what would really help us right now is if you'd rate and write a quick, like one sentence review on iTunes. And be honest, it's really how new people find out about the podcast. And then obviously go tell all your friends. Grazie mille.